Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Sunday, 12th of February. Well, it was exciting, wasn't it? The snow. We had to st- remember the little bit of snow that came down and we all went, woo, look, snow. And a few little light bits sort of landed on the cars. And the next morning there was a few little uh, bits and pieces on. And that was about it. I mean, probably up north, as usual, you suffer badly because it's got the big expanses, hasn't it? The countryside and the rolling Cheviot Hills and uh, the Cairngorms and the Trossachs and all these lovely places. And so you probably got it worse. In London, it looked pretty for a little while, but at the moment it hit the ground. It, it kind of died. It sort of turned to that water stuff that we call rain. And so whether it comes back again today, we'll find out. So many good stories of the papers today. I found about 40, which should keep us going roughly until the hour of 7 o'clock. If you have joined us for the first time, it's nice to have your company. Uh, we're going to talk. There's a sad story. There's a very happy story. There's a kind of mm, middling kind of story. And then there's a Katie Price story. All of that and more between now and 7. Don't go anywhere. There's also uh, public speaking, Mandarin for tots in a nursery. I mean, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Take the kids in there. And so that means that when you, when you take the kids out, I mean, they'll be only ones in the family speaking Mandarin. Brilliant. Tragic Tara Palmer-Tomkinson predicted her own early death. I think everybody does that, don't they? We all go through some period in our lives where you sort of think, oh, I don't feel very... Is this it? Is this it? I've done it on loads of occasions. Seriously, loads of occasions. I thought, is this, you know, you get a little sort of pain somewhere, a little tweaking or a, you know, a twinge or whatever it happens to be. And you think, I don't know, is this it? Uh, apparently she was eating a Chinese meal the night before. Remind me not to eat a meal the night before a Chinese meal if I think I'm going to be dying anytime soon. Uh, there's, um, you remember the, the mother who was going, oh, believe me, I've lost my great grandmother's uh, wedding dress. It was in a, it was in a, a dry cleaners that went bust. Went, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Putting out an all points call. She found the dress. It was in the dry cleaners, you know. Not exactly the brightest penny in the box. Uh, the pizza delivery driver posing for, uh, for the cameras, snorting cocaine. Well, it wasn't. Domino's say it was icing sugar, but still pretty stupid. You know, why would you film somebody who works for Domino's snorting icing sugar? You know, and, uh, and they've done an old story in one of the papers today. It's, 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 a, it's one that you could resurrect every so often. It's how much do you trust your garage? And this is a story of QuickFit and how they took their car in and uh, they had various procedures done and then they got their experts to check and it either turned out it wasn't necessary or it hasn't actually been done. But I would have thought that would apply to every garage. I know I don't want to generalise sweepingly, but, you know, you have to pick your garage that you trust. If they say they've changed the oil, you have to assume that they've changed the oil. There was um, uh, a guy, Steve Wright who took his car into a garage in Henley many, 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 many years ago. And they charged him 400 quid or whatever it was. It turned out they hadn't done three quarters of the things because he went and got it checked, I think, afterwards by the AA. And I've always remembered the story because I've often thought, because we're all bozos, we don't know what goes on in the bonnet of a car. If, if, if my garage says we've had to regrind this and we've had to put in, I just have to take their word for it because I don't know. I'm assuming that they know that if I found out, I'd be very, very cross and my wrath would be uh, far wide and reaching. So uh, you, you have to sort of trust people because you do, don't you? It's like they always say, for God's sake, don't complain about your food before it's arrived in a restaurant because you, you know, don't you? Come on. That's what we all think. Of course, I don't think it would ever happen because if somebody got found out, they'd be fired. But 
you'd still worry about it. Hello, it's lovely. It's only taken two hours. And we're really happy, uh, really. Oh, no, it's uh, seriously, honestly, no trouble at all. Really, don't mind waiting, because you don't want them to spit in your food, which we've seen. I've seen it on the teleprograms. Um, what's the other things? And it does happen. I know, producer's got a friend who worked in a restaurant. I mean, I'm sure it does happen. I'm sure it does. I just don't like to think about it, you know, because I'm sort of... I'm one of those sort of people who's a bit paranoid about people making a sandwich without putting gloves on. I'm not talking about, you know, mittens, but I'm talking about, you know, plastic gloves. Because I worry about things like that. I worry about everything. It's like the other day, uh, a friend of mine, I can't, I can't tell you where it was or anything else, he said to me, he said, oh, he said, uh, one of our customers has brought in some curry, some Thai curry. And I said, lovely. He said, Would you like some? I said, absolutely not. He said, why? I said, because I want to see a hygiene certificate from her kitchen. This is just somebody who's made it at home. You know, you don't want to see, th- you know, I mean, I'd, it might be lovely, might be absolutely charming and it smelt delicious and it looked great. But I said, absolutely not. I wouldn't touch anything like that. I'm a little bit funny. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Danielle Lloyd's pregnant again. Whoopee, still not married. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? So proud of you. You know, four four children now. No, no sign of a job. Better marry somebody who's got a bit of money. Uh, the chippy that's going fishing for a Michelin star and, um, and Jamie Oliver's parents pub. Little bit dirty. Little bit dirty. Uh, in fact, quite a bit dirty. They've, they've rectified the problems, they say, and there'll be another checkup. Because what happens is they have, and they do it to all pubs and all establishments, they go round, you get a hygiene rating. Uh, theirs, theirs was a bit dirtier than we imagine. It's a shame, actually, because I was going to be going there. Not now. Not now. And if the NHS is so desperate for money, why do they spend £850 on a £23 roller blind? And whilst Matt was going big time on the Syrian children, and there were lots of nice people phoning up saying, yes, we've definitely got to take these people. They weren't thinking. They weren't thinking any further than, you know, they are other human beings. Absolutely. But there are other human beings who speak another language, and we're going to have to get interpreters in. Where do they think this money's coming from? It's all very laudable and already... You know, I think it's a brilliant idea. We've taken in 350. We're supposed to be taking 3,000. But uh, the 350 are straining the doctor's surgeries. They're straining local councils, who we know are stretched to capacity. I'm not excusing local councils. It's up to them to manage money properly. But sometimes you do wonder whether or not, you know, they've actually done it so badly that you'd be better off giving to a three-year-old to try and money manage. Because they can't even maintain parks. So parks, they're saying now, and I mean, what does it take to look after a park? You have some gardeners in, if it's got a toilet in the park, then you've got to maintain that. And so they can't do it. They don't apparently have to maintain parks, but that's what we're famous for, isn't it? In this country, we're famous for our green spaces. So mums can go and sit there and, you know, kids can go and sit there and drink at night and shoot up and everything else. It's all very exciting in local parks. But then we're going to bring in all these Syrian children, some of whom might not be children. You have to check everybody. You've also got to check and see, you know, do they have where are their families? Why are they not with their families? Uh, And then we take them in. And what do we do with them? Do we, you know, listen, there are people homeless on the streets out there now. And I suddenly realised why they're out there. And it only occurred to me the other day because we've got them in Twickenham. We've got three uh, down down to two. They beg. They're Polish. One of them is, is Polish and he begs. And we've got literally just up the road. There is um, there is a, a place that looks after the homeless people. The reason they don't take these ones in is because they drink. Now, in any of the night shelters in London, you've got to be in by a certain time. And I don't know what time it is. It could be nine o'clock. It could be ten o'clock. Whatever it is, you've got to be in by that time. If you turn up drunk or you've got drunk, they don't want you. 
because you could be a disruptive influence, you could attack people, and this is the same here. The one who's sleeping in a doorway, who begs, who is Polish, is making more money than a lot of the people around there working in legitimate jobs. And uh, all he does is he sleeps all day, then he sits outside the George pub, and he begs. That's all he does. Most of them sit there. I saw one the other day. In fact, as I was coming in this morning, they sit there, they, they sort of sit there with their head down like that, holding out a cup in front of them. I'm sorry, have they lost, lost the gift of speech or something? No, excuse me, have you got some money? One of them was given some food a short while ago. Well, he didn't want any more food. He had so much food, he could have opened up a bloody restaurant. And so what, what these people have are drink problems. No good just, you know, leaving them sitting in a doorway. You can't arrest them, but if they beg, you can arrest them because it's illegal to beg in this country. So when we get all the Syrian children in, and I've got a sneaking feeling they're not going to let any more in, I think they're going to go 350 is about it. So it's very nice of Matt to do that. I thought that was very laudable. But all I kept thinking was, who's paying for this? Where are local councils going to get the money to rehouse all these children... Just supposing, you know, Richmond take 50. Just supposing, hypothetically, Richmond Council take 50 kids on. So they've got to have people who look after them. That's got to be at least 10. Can't have any less than 10 people looking after 50 children. It's going to be on a 24-hour basis. You've got to find a property for them. They've got to be fed. You've got to have interpreters in there. I mean, where is this money coming from? You can't just print a little bit extra off to try and cover it. I mean, it's a huge problem. And that's why I think they've actually stopped it. The can't we don't want anymore. Nice if, of course, Lily Allen took in the one she claimed she was going to take in. But uh, sadly, at the moment, <laughs> far too busy, obviously. And uh, perhaps it's beyond her, her capabilities. Because she wouldn't be speaking the language. So it'll all be sign language. And then she'll make them listen to her music. And that'll be enough to sort of send them over the edge. And they'll have to go out and go and find somewhere else to live. I'm sorry, what, what happened? We, we went to Lily Allen's. What was that like? Blooming awful music. Blooming awful music. 84850, steve at and, uh, and a lovely story of possibly, possibly one of the stupidest people I think I've ever encountered. And we encounter stupid people. People who, it beggars belief. They say something or do something and you think, I'm sorry, are you for real? Are you in the real world? Are you in with the rest of us? And uh, this one here, uh, you know her. Because she's been in the papers before. She's a bit of an attention seeker. Uh, she's Britain's youngest Euro Millions winner. Her name is Jane Park. And she was 17 uh, when she scooped a million pounds. She's now considering legal action against the lottery bosses for negligence. I know. I couldn't quite believe it either. Uh, you only have to be 16 to enter the lottery. This one, as I say, not the brightest penny. Wait till you hear this. I mean, I, I can't believe she's actually saying this. If she is, there's something the matter with her. Uh, she claims that somebody her age should not have been allowed to win. In a breathtaking whinge about her jackpot, she's now 21, so we've waited years for this dreary person to come up with this slot. Uh, she says the money has made her life ten times worse. Ten times worse. What would you buy a ticket for, then? I mean, really. And it, she claims she is sick of shopping for designer goods. I mean, seriously, you begin to wonder whether or not she is the... Th she is absolutely ideal candidate for this morning on Monday morning. I should imagine Martin Frizzell, executive producer, be going, that's the one we want, because she's too stupid for words. And I'm waiting for Pip Schofield and Holly Willoughby to jump on top of her and go, I'm sorry, well, why'd you buy a ticket then? She also is struggling to find a genuine boyfriend. I mean, I don't think it's anything to do with your money, dear, because I'd never heard of you until today. So why would you be struggling? Do you go around going, win the lottery, won the lottery, got a lot of money, designer goods, all the rest of it? 
Uh, also, she's missing her Benidorm holidays because trips to upmarket resorts are too snooty. And she's burdened with the stress of being a millionaireess. Well, you're not, dear. You're not. If you've been spending all this money, you only won a million. You, you aren't a millionaireess at all now. So you're lying as well. She says, speaking in the same week, she pleaded not guilty to a charge of drink driving at McDonald's. She says, at times it feels... Oh, sorry. Act... Oh, I can't do the accent. Can I? I nearly did Irish, which didn't help, did it, really? And um, she says, I thought it would make it ten times better, but it's made it ten times worse. Well, i tell you what then, darling. I mean, here is the simple answer for you, little Jane. Little Jane with no brain. And uh, all you have to do, give it away. Give it away. Give it to charity. Give it away. Give it away to your local council and say, why don't you do something useful with it? But you're not a millionaireess, darling, because you've spent it. You've spent the money, you know, you've you bought your little silly holidays and you bought your designer goods and you've got way too much makeup on here. Um, I don't know whether or not, you know, you've, you've got some agent who said, why don't you say something that is so extraordinarily stupid that people will pick up on you? Because the next thing is you're going to be trolled. I could tell you that for a fact. Without a shadow of a doubt, there'll be people writing to you because you are just idiotic. Fancy saying you win a million pounds and then going, oh, it's, I mean, I mean the, the, my favourite line is here. She says, it's ruined my life. I'm sick of shopping for designer goodies. I'm missing my Benidorm holidays because trips to upmarket resorts are too snooty. Well, they wouldn't want somebody like you at upmarket resorts, do you? Get, you've got less than a million. Why would you be of any interest to people? You don't know how to behave. And we can't have somebody like you. Upmarket resorts are for upmarket people. You go back to Benidorm. That's where you belong. You have to stay in Benidorm. Why can't you go to Benidorm? What, are you assuming rich people don't go to Benidorm? Not that you're rich anymore, but at least, you know, at least it's your sort of fantasy. So they've pictured her with a sort of a watch on, which could or could not be Cartier. It could be fake. I've got no idea. And a bottle of champagne. She says nobody really understands the problems of having all this cash. Well, I do. I understand it completely. But if you don't want it, dear, give it away. Give it away. Camelot said the uh, minimum age limit... Uh, to play the lottery is, uh, is a matter for Parliament to decide on. We will continue to support Jane in any way we can if that's what she decides she wants. I mean, she won it at 17. She's now 21. It's taken her long enough to get to that stage in her life. Do you think she, do you think she actually is in the real world or do you think she's wandered in from outer space? What did you buy a ticket for, dear? Why did, why did you, the moment you won it, you know, the moment you started droning on about it to anybody who'll listen, and frankly, about as boring as hell... Why don't you just give it to charity? Go and give it to a Syrian charity. Go and give it to sort of, you know, poor people in the in the home city where you live. Because I'm assuming, I mean, uh, you know, she was she's also been fined for assaulting a nightclub doorman. £110 she was fined for that one. And um, and uh, she, she, she wanted to have liposuction. I mean, she really, seriously, I mean, you just wonder, don't you, about the sanity of some people. I know there'll be many of you listening, and I know, I can hear you shouting, hear you shouting. Who does she think she is? She's lonely. She can't find a boyfriend because they all want to take advantage of her because she's got money. Not for much longer, dear. Not for much longer. You get many more fines. It'll be dribbling away. And so they've pictured her in designer clobber. You know, I mean, trouble is, if you are a Primark girl... Stay a Primark girl, and then you can buy more of it. Don't drone on about it, you know. And good luck with the suing, because that's the way your money's going to disappear. You know, it's going to disappear very... In fact, even faster than you can imagine. Even faster than the courts can take it off you. So there you go. That's me being nice about you this morning. I mean, seriously. 
It's just, you're so ungrateful. Really, I've never met anybody who's that ungrateful about winning a million pounds. But please don't describe yourself as a millionaireess because you haven't got a million pounds. OK? If you bought a place, a house, which most people do, if you win a million, you would either pay off a mortgage or you'd buy a property and, and just carry on as normal. You stuff some, stuff some money in the bank. I should imagine where you are, you could probably buy a, a sort of a small pied de terre for about four, five hundred thousand pounds. So that leaves you with five hundred thousand left. I mean, that should see you through for, you know, ten years without having to do a stroke of work. Fifty grand a year, living to your extravagant standards of buying designer clothing or failing that, just carry on working and have it as a fallback. I mean, you know, try and use what little brain God gave you. Because that would be the sensible way forward. You know, surely your mumsy and dadsy must have told you that. You don't need Camelot to tell you how to manage money. It's only a million sweet cheeks. Down in London, I find that lying outside in Leicester Square, honestly. I picked it up the other day. It was a beggar holding it. Give to me. He had a million pounds and I gave it to people who were deserving. And that's what you should do with your money. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Definitely not. I mean, only one sort of person who would eat that sort of food. on. I've never seen people eat food on buses as much as sort of... I mean, the Brits don't eat food on buses. For some, I've sat there, watched people eating salads. I've watched people eating a Chinese takeaway on the bus. I see everybody eating food on buses. And also, it's just wholly inappropriate. Wholly inappropriate. So there you go. Uh, Steve, I know you're never, ever wrong, says Tess. Oh, oh wait a minute. Uh, but it says, but when you were talking about getting a Wonder Broom on Thursday, I told you Asda sold them. You said they weren't the right ones, so I double-checked. They're JML. No need to apologise. Listen, Tess, I've explained to you before, darling, we don't have an Asda round our way. We're Twickenham Richmond, OK? We have Waitrose, we have Sainsbury's, we have a superstore from Tesco, and we have Marks and Spencers. We don't do Asda, OK? You know, that's probably in your area, but it's it's not in our area at all, I'm afraid. So, you know, it's lovely for you, and I'm sure you're very happy with it, but we we don't have one. I'm sure that there's probably one within striking distance if you sit on a rocket somewhere. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk, And uh, Paul Rin High Wickham says, looking forward to listening to you every morning. You make my day, la, la, la. Finbar thinks that Jane's run out of money. Hence dragging a story around the papers. I don't think she's run out of much. She can't have spent a million. Well, I don't know. She won it. Well, actually, she might have done. She won it 17, four years ago. 17, 18, 19, 20. Four years ago. She might have run out. She might have. That could be. Ah, I never thought about that bit, actually. I never thought about that bit. She might have actually run out of money. Because if she sort of does these snooty holidays, as she describes them, which I've never heard of them described as snooty holidays. I always thought snooty holidays was a rather bizarre description. It was like me sort of going to somewhere very expensive. I wouldn't ever describe it as a snooty holiday unless I'd come from a, you know, sort of a, a rundown estate in Rill or something like that. Why would a holiday ever be snooty? Does that mean people treat you differently if you go on? Because I'm assuming that if you go on a holiday, nobody knows what your financial status is. I could go and sit at Sandy Lane you know, a very, very expensive resort. Nobody would know what my financial status was. They would assume, if I'm there, that I've got the money. And I'm assuming you'd be going to a fancy place because you'd want people to think you were rich. But as it was four years ago, you might have run out of money, actually. You might have run out. Perhaps that's why she's complaining. Perhaps that's why she's complaining to Camelot, saying that people of her age shouldn't be allowed to win. No, because people would assume, that's why the government set the limit at 16. They're assuming at 16 that you would have the intelligence to look after money because you'd go by your bank's advice, wouldn't you? That's what I, mean, that's what I would go for. Well, most of the time, once you bought your house or your clothes or you've changed your car, 
then you would go to the bank and say, look, I've got half a million pounds. What can you suggest? And they offer something. If you're silly enough and you just leave it in the bank and you draw the money out, well, then fair enough. But I, I think you have to take guidance. And bearing in mind, Camelot do offer guidance. I know this for a fact. That's what the, they don't just come round and go, here you go, a million pounds and pop it through your letterbox. They come round and they offer financial advice, which is ironically through the Royal Bank of Scotland, who Camelot bank with. But, you know, nevertheless, it's still Royal Bank of Scotland, uh, which is Coots, which is Drummond's, which is quite a number of posh, posh, you know, banks, which all fall under the same umbrella. So, you know, you might have spent it all and you might have... Uh, you might have fallen foul of yourself, but you don't need to go round. You don't need. To, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't be going round buying designer clothes. What's the point? Where would you? I mean, where you live? What's the point? Nobody's going to spot you and sort of go, "Oh look, oh God, you got designer clothes there." You go, "I know, a, a, a designer clothes," and you think, "I mean, I just carry on wearing the same stuff. I don't wear anything designer. Seriously, everything I wear is is MS. It's the only, I'm sure there's other shops that sell it, but M&S happens to suit me. It's the right sort of quality at the right sort of price. You know, sweatshirt, jeans, everything is M&S. Pants, M&S. Too much information, I realise. Boots, M&S. Socks, Costco. It's the only, that's the only deviation. The rest of it is M&S. You know, so if I won loads of money, if I won a million pounds, it wouldn't make any difference. Wouldn't make any difference at all. To the clo- I wouldn't be starting shopping in any other shops because they don't fit me. No point wandering into Ted Baker because every time I've wandered into Ted Baker, the staff look at me with pity as I walk through the door. And you could see them standing there going, he can't fit into anything. He can't fit into it. I mean, they don't even do my waist, let alone body size. You know, none of these shops, they're catering for skinny little people. You know, people who've got no meat on them at all. I've got meat and then some. You know, it's a case of, I wouldn't be design, buying designer clothes. I could probably go out and have suits made. But what would be the point, though, to wear them? So I think, really, with only a million pounds, you have to think about it fairly carefully. You have to use your intelligence. Would you not, you know, would you not think that would be the best advice? And that's just from somebody of my age. You know, I've, I've always been bad with money anyway. Uh, Jane says, I wonder which Miss Lottery winner considers upmarket holiday resort. St Bart's, Portofino. I'm guessing Lanzagrotti. I know. I just, I just find it a little bit disappointing that somebody has wasted money and then complains about it. But mind you, she's got what she wanted, her face on the front of a newspaper. But uh, somebody who's already got a conviction for an assault, I'm not really going to be taking too much notice of. Uh, Sally says, money can ruin those who've not been born into it and can make those who have been born into it even more greedy. You see, they all say money can't buy your happiness, which is a load of old codswallop. Of course it can. Of course it can. If all of a sudden, you know, if, if you're living on £15,000 a year and you win a million pounds, of course it's going to make you happy. Of course it's going to make you happy, unless you're a miserable person. They're assuming that all the people who sort of enter the lottery are miserable and then the, the, the money makes them even more miserable. No, it doesn't. Money can make you... not. It doesn't buy you happiness, put it this way. You know, she goes, oh, I can't find a boyfriend. Well, nobody knows who she is. I've got no idea who this person is. I, I didn't know who she was before her picture appeared on the front of the paper. I just know she's got too much makeup on and she obviously rates herself, but it's of no interest to me. I couldn't care less. You know, the idea that you're thinking of suing the lottery because it's ruined your life. No, the person who's ruined your life is you. I, you know, if I ruin my life, that's my that's my business, isn't it? That's the thing that, you know, I'm responsible for. We're all responsible for our own our own. Be all and end all. No snow in Blackpool, says Dean, but been told in Scotland Blackpool's not in the north. 
And he's not a fan of quick fit either. I think this, this quick fit story in the paper could apply to anywhere. Absolutely anywhere at all. The fact that they've, they've targeted quick fit in the same way that the Daily Mail today are back with the old David Beckham story. They love a David Beckham story. Oh, dear me. Do they love a David Beckham story? This time it's the, uh, the clothes made in, in sweatshops. Uh, which, you know, people are paid pennies for because that's what happens abroad. Also, The Sun on Sunday, uh, they're saying here that George Michael's lover has been banned from his funeral. What a load of old codswallop. Why would he be banned from the funeral? The family haven't even come out of the house yet. Oh, where have they got this from? Apparently, the singer's cousin, I'm not even sure he is his cousin, Andros Giorgio, uh, says, uh, heaven help him if he turned up. What, because he was going out with George for four years? What's it got to do with you anyway? What's it got to do with you anyway? You don't need cousin. You're not family. You're kind of sort of so far removed down there. And let's face it, George didn't talk to you for many, 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 many years. Why? Because you were doing stories to the newspapers. And that's what he didn't like. Ask any of his proper friends. But uh, I'm sure if Faddy turned up to the funeral, the one who called 999, and how they released that uh, transcript, I've got no idea. I was understood to believe that if you called 999... Uh, these things are supposed to be confidential. Not supposed to then release them to the newspapers. There was a transcript of what he'd said the other day. Uh, George's funeral pan, he'll be buried in tour suit, plus his Cartier watch. They've got no idea of this at all. Absolutely nothing. Nothing has been released. They don't even have the body. And uh, somebody says here, I don't know who's supposed to have said these things. You know, funeral will be secret. We're just waiting for the body. Well, if he wants to turn up to his funeral, he can. He absolutely can, you know, because (coughs) he was his boyfriend. It's as simple as that. You know, Andros, who's now a very old man, you know, he says he formed a bond as they grew up. Yeah, not for years and years, though. Not for years and years. And that's why it's a little bit bit embarrassing to talk about poor George Michael. He's not here to defend himself. The family don't have the body and we're still waiting on toxicology. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 26 minutes to uh, to 6. Tony Parsons today says the tide of public opinion seems to have turned against old Davy Boy Beckham, even though he's guilty of nothing more than vanity, petulance and human frailty. But then Bobby Moore, our only World Cup winning captain, had to be content with an OBE. Beckham should stop mourning his lost, lost knighthood and start counting his blessings. I think, that, well, once you've read the story about poor old David Beckham again, I say poor old David Beckham, he's pictured in the paper. There's never a day goes by without us having a picture of the Beckham family, the Beckham children, the Beckham wonderful Von Trapp children doing marvellous things for the community, like going through LAX airport. And uh, and Dave, you know, confidently sort of hoping that maybe around the corner, hiding in a box, probably many, many years down the line, there could be a knighthood because that's what he craves. Whether it's got anything to do with the fashion, I couldn't care less. Uh, somebody says, uh, what are you trying to say? You don't have a pound shop round your way. I didn't mention a pound shop at all. I said, we don't have an Asda. Never mentioned pound shops. What are you talking about? No, I'm sorry. As far as I know, as far as I know, the pound shop doesn't do uh, the, uh, the the smart broom anyway. The wonder broom. So it wouldn't make any difference whether we had one pound shop there or we had a whole high street full of pound shops. They don't have it. It's as simple as that. And we don't have an, uh, we don't have an Asda. You know, it's obviously areas for Asda and there's not. And we're not because we've got a Waitrose. And we've got, uh, we used to have a little Morrison's, Morrison's convenience store that went. It's now Screwfit, uh, which is sort of like, it's like a sort of um, an Argos 
for builders. You go in there and you tap into something on a computer and they tell you whether they've got sort of three round-headed screws that fit a posse driver or a Phillips screwdriver. You know, if you want to buy an electric drill, you can go and get one with a sander. In fact, the whole thing is all geared up for builders on the television. Every time I turn on the television, there's another advert for a drill or another advert, this thing cuts out this. And you see people standing at the station in their, in their sort of uh, camouflage outfits, clutching a, a workmate under their arm. I always thought people had this thing supplied, but apparently not. You've got to sort of turn up with your own... like turning up with your own paintbrushes. Uh, sad news on poor old Katie Price. Uh, Katie Price uh, um, obviously got drunk and went topless at a corporate do, which was a little bit embarrassing. She's finally admitted that uh, she's had the worst days of her life drinking. She's taken up sewing now to take her mind off it. I mean, whether or not you believe this or whether you just think it's another load of old hooey is up to you. But uh, she says, sometimes I resent being the big earner. I don't really think you are the big earner, though. You're only doing loose women, aren't you? I mean, that's not exactly the best paid job in the world. But, of course, better than poor old Kieran, who turned up the other day. He's got to go on a diet. I mean, seriously. That little suit he was wearing. I mean, perhaps she dresses him in sort of the likeness as to which she sees in her mind. A bit like Liberace dressing up Scott Thorson and making him have cosmetic surgery so he looked more like a young Liberace. And uh, that all went pear-shaped, didn't it? But apparently poor, poor Katie Price is still... Kieran's a homemaker. I don't know what that means, actually. I don't know what that means at all. He's a homemaker. Well, I mean, I, I really I can't even imagine what it is. But anyway, she, uh, she says, um, Some days all I want to do is sleep or lie on the sofa. There's no oomph. Why are you getting on a bit now, dear? There's not, there wasn't much oomph before. And so she's saying she still hasn't got over the fact that Kieran had this affair. I told you that was rankling her. I knew that that would be. It would go for not just one of her friends, but two, and it went for quite a long while. And now she treats him as if he's just sort of some little bit of flopsum she finds on the bottom of a shoe. But he's the homemaker. And uh, and now she's she's also turned it around and calls him her backbone as well. Wouldn't wish that on anybody, would you? But uh, stop being the big earner. In fact, the only earner, unless the kids are out earning money, because the kids should really be getting a, a piece of the action on the uh, on the magazine deals. You know, if you're going to stick the kids in there, make sure... Have they got some money out of this? What do you mean you've kept it all? It should be divided. I'm sure old Pizzikins would be sharing his money, wouldn't he? You know, if the kids featured in photo shoots, because otherwise we don't want another photo shoot of Pizzi and his gorgeous wife, or, in fact, gorgeous Katie Price and her strangely immobile face. But this, the big earner, what big earner? There is no big earnering. The house is only worth 1.6 million. She's not even living in Wentworth in an £8 million mansion. You know why? can't afford it. It's too much money. Too much money, because all she's got is the money from the books when they come out every so often, but the rest of the time, nothing. It's just loose women. And that's not every day of the week, and that wouldn't pay that much. It'll just give her a little bit of money. Uh, Amir's out of pocket here. This is Amir Khan. Uh, a business deal run by his dad went way over budget. He's, uh, he's redeveloping a banqueting hall, and so they've got a £2.8 million overspend. So he's, he's got to cough up for that one. Dear. And Harry's girl, that's what they call her now. She doesn't actually have a name anymore. They just go, Harry's, I'm surprised they don't know what Harry's bird. Make it a lot easier. And uh, here she is with her prom date Danny in 1998. And they look lovely. And so her school friends have sort of issued the pictures of her so that you can see, you know, humble beginnings and uh, could be with Prince Harry. Or not, as the case may be. I'm not totally convinced that uh, that they're actually going to get married. In fact, I've actually got uh, got money on it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Oh, pictures of snow in the country, like you've never seen snow, and how Valentine's ends the UK freeze in Powys, 
in Wales. This weekend, minus nine. Minus nine degrees, which is, you know, so, 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 so. Uh, next week, 13 degrees. That means, I mean, well, for Wales, for Powys anyway, that's sunbathing weather. That's when the girls get the bikinis out and they're all out there, on, you know, in Powys. And, uh, you know, because it's because 13 degrees is good. Double it and add 30. 26, 66 degrees. Come on, they've had worse. Minus nine. Uh, and then they always have pictures, don't they? Somebody swimming in the English Channel. It's like, on come New Year's Day, there's a bunch of very sad people who go swimming in the serpentine. What for? What for? What does, I mean, I don't quite understand why you'd want to go swimming in a serpentine. But they've got a picture of a man here. He looks frozen to death. And he's swimming in the English Channel. They have people who go down to the sea at Brighton. They go, here's people swimming in the sea at Brighton. What for? What's the idea of that? Uh, over in Devon, they were having a bit of, bit of winter fun. Because that's what they do in Devon. There's not really much else to do there. In the summer, it's ice cream and tourists. And in the winter, it's you just pray for a bit of snow. And in London, a bit of snow falling in front of buses. And so they've got some pictures of that, which is lovely. Which is great, you know, very happy about that, but it never settles. Never settles in London. Uh, 84850. If the lottery winner, says Philip, is upset at winning a million. Well, she's not upset at winning the million. Oh, no, 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 no. She's upset at the fact that they didn't advise her, she says, on how a million pounds would affect her. And obviously because, you know, the family brain cell was out on loan, she goes and spends money on... Um, designer clothes i mean as i said before I, you know i can't i can't quite get my head around it i would have thought that you know if you if you were a nice person you would give some of that money to charity whatever she's got left if indeed she's got anything left because she can't have it but she says oh people guys didn't go out with her because she was a millionaireess not anymore she's not uh, because she's been on these snooty holidays as she calls them to be honest with you if i was on a, a snooty holiday if i'm sitting on the beach in some barts and she pitched up on the beach. A, we'd have no idea who she was, but unless she sort of said, oh, I, uh, I won a million. And we were going, I'm sorry, dear, this holiday's not for you. This is for rich people, not for, not for poor people. You're a poor person. I've got a million. Yeah, did, but you don't know how to behave. That's the difference. The difference is you can get some really well-heeled people who know how to behave, who could tell you, you know, I bet you'd have to explain to her how the fork and knife system works in a posh restaurant. You know, where you've got sort of maybe two knives, two forks, two spoons. You'd have to say to her, OK, you're working out in. OK, she, w- she wouldn't know that. She'd go, I've got so, m- so much cutlery here. What do I do with all of this? And sort of be popping it in her handbag to take home for later because she probably thought that they'd overexpanded on the amount of knives and forks you need. So that, that's, that's the difference. You know, they're not snooty places. They're exactly the same as anywhere else. You get treated exactly the same in a bar in Falaraki as you would on a beach bar in St. Bart's. They couldn't care. As long as you've got the money to buy for the drink, they couldn't care less. Philip says, I take it she's not going to sue for money unless she wants to be even more miserable. I, don't, I think she's just, she's, I don't know. I can't believe that she's sort of talking about, you know, I'm a millionaireess because A, she isn't anymore. We know that. In fact, the moment she bought things, the money starts dwindling. So not a millionaireess. And uh, secondly, uh, she could find a boyfriend. She just doesn't need to disport herself in the national newspapers uh, unless she's thinking about some career as a non-entity, in which case she's achieved that. Because in theory, I suppose, based on the people we had for Celebrity Big Brother, she could be in there because they had some terrible people in Celebrity Big Brother. I mean, some really awful people. Danielle Lloyd is delighted to be pregnant with her fourth child. We expect pictures anytime soon. There's bound to be, because that's what she does. And uh, after watching her ex, Jamie, cozying up to Bianca Gascoigne, uh, we're delighted to hear that Danielle has had some good news. Why would she be interested? They're divorced. They're separated. What does it matter who he's going with? Mind your own business, Danielle. Nye, 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 nye. Mind your own business, all right? Nothing to do with you. 
They've got three boys already. She wants a little girl, but her and uh, Michael, because she's been engaged to him for a year, for a year, and already she's pregnant. I mean, seriously, seriously, not right. Not right. But uh, And they keep putting her down as a model. When I'm, I've, I've seen all the pictures of Fashion Week. I've seen all the pictures of all the modelling shows. I don't remember seeing Danielle Lloyd anywhere in there. Nowhere in there at all. It's for it's for models, not sort of part-time, sort of bimbo-y types, who sort of, if you remember how awful she was to Shilpa Shetty and how awful she was about her life, and then she's been, been with quite a few people, and she's sold every aspect of it. Andy says, can't your housekeeper or butler use a normal broom? broom? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just pay them through the agency. They sort of come round. I mean, I, mean, I had to get rid of the last one. Last one was terrible. I mean, not not. I mean, they could use the broom. It was the dustpan and brush they couldn't use. And I've discovered the trick to stopping the birds. And it's rooks, I think, who are sort of throwing earth out of my pots. I put down shiny lids in all of them. Thought let them peck their way through that one. That'd be easier, wouldn't it? Uh, the Speaker's Election Fund and the disgraced MP. Uh, this is uh, little John the Burke. And oh look, Keith Faz again. Little single. And uh, so they're all there. Karen Brady talking about the Queen, which is lovely. And um, and what else? Oh, yes, talking about people who have fillers in their lips. And I'm assuming men or women could afford to have this done. But why would you ever let somebody take a needle and stick it into your lips? I've got no idea. I mean, that's the worst thing ever, isn't it? That would frighten the life out of me. Especially people, because you can buy this stuff on the internet. You can buy this stuff on the internet. And just go round to people's houses. Still to come, it's bad news for Jamie Oliver's parents. They've been blasted. By hygiene regulators. Ooh, that's not so good, is it? Not really. Not, not when your son's so well known. And um, they've also got a co-op shelf here. With a mouse on it. With a mouse on it. I mean, that's not good either. But Jamie's parents pub in the food wrap. And it's not just one item. It's a few, which we'll run through in a minute. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday, 12th of February. I'm so excited. I've got five lucky dips I've won. Whoopie-doo, whoopie-doo. I could have done with a million, but then, of course, it would ruin my life because I'd be buying designer clothes. Oh, no, Nana says uh, you don't need designer clothes. Your personality is all you need. Oh, no, believe you me, you do. We need to wear clothes. No good having a great personality and standing there stark naked, is there? I mean, that's not the thing. I mean, you don't have to... I don't... Uh, designer clothes, I'm assuming... A clothes have got a label in there. But did they not disprove this some years ago where they proved that kids really were a bit stupid? And so they got some school kids and they took some uh, Primark jeans and they took some, I think it was Dolce & Gabbana, and they cut the label out of Dolce & Gabbana and they swapped them on the Primark jeans and they put the Primark label in the Dolce & Gabbana jeans. And they brought kids into the room and they were, which, which jeans would you pick straight away? The Dolce & Gabbana, which, of course, were Primark. And they said, oh, right, you like, why, why do you like those? They went, because they're Dolce & Gabbana. They knew all the labels. They knew all the, all the, all the things like that. And, and they then said to them, uh, these are actually Primark jeans. They wouldn't have it. They wouldn't have it because they got the Dolce & Gabbana label in there. And that's what kids go for nowadays. They go for a label. You know, if you've got Calvin Klein on your pants or I don't, can't remember. There's so many different names that you can get on, on your pants now. And it says more about you. If you're just wearing sort of cheap little white pants, nobody's interested. They think you're poor. You know, if you're wearing a vest and it's got Marks and Spencers in it, they go, oh, dear, can't you afford Calvin Klein vest and matching pants or something? You know, it's like socks, isn't it? 
you know, people keep saying to me, what, you really throw your socks away? I don't, actually. I gift them onto other people now, which is, you know, much nicer. And uh, But I do just wear them once. Don't ask me why. It's the way I am. It's it's what I do. I can't help it. It's probably some sort of illness or something like that. But it it doesn't matter. You know, designer clothes are made... You know, in it's 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 not like Dolce Gabbana sit down there making their own jeans or something like that. They're made in in factories abroad, aren't they? I wish Jamie Oliver's parents had been made in a factory abroad. They might have might have done a little bit better. Uh, the pub has been blasted by the hygiene regulators. It's uh, it's very well known. It's uh, it's called the Cricketers. It's at Clavering in Essex, and I should imagine today it will be packed solid. But people in there might not know that the pub has been downgraded from a 5 out of 5 rating for food and hygiene to 2. I mean, 2 is is, is really bad. Uh, staff at the inn were accused in the District Council report of poor hand-washing and using out-of-date chicken. This is... You still get... A t- yeah, I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm surprised it only warrants a 2. They got poor hand-washing, raw chicken three days out of date... Breakfast toast being reused at dinner, dead pheasants near to pre-cooked chips, and an accumulation of dirt and grease. Now, that, that's what I call dirty. You know, dirty and they need to pull themselves back together. Um, the toast from breakfast was reused at dinner. Who has toast at dinner? Unless they use the toast as, as breadcrumbs or something like that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Trevor and Sally uh, Oliver, who've run the pub since 1976, says all the faults have been dealt with. Retesting is happening this month, uh, which is great. I mean, because if you don't, they, uh, they basically downgrade you. But they gave them a two, even four raw, raw chickens, three days out of date, dead pheasants next to pre-cooked chips. And it will be packed today, I can tell you, because it's a very popular venue. But you don't think about it, do you? I mean, we've had some venues in London. We had a TGI Fridays up in here infested with rats. They had to close it down. The Kentucky Fried Chicken had mouse droppings all over the place. They had to close that for a while to de-infest, because if you go up into Soho, I've seen, in daytime, rats running along the corridor. I've seen live rats in daytime, and you think, why are they there? Because there's food left all over the place, because it's dirty. The, the roads up there are swimming in grease and oil, and, I mean, it really is horrible. In fact, I was, I was with a friend of mine, we were going for breakfast, and down one of the little alleys where we'd been before, there was a rat! In daytime, people go, no, it can't be. I go, oh, seriously, in exactly the same way, there is a rat here on a co-op shelf. This is in Cheltenham. The pest control is investigating and believe the rat ran into the shop in an isolated incident. Well, it was outside and it ran into the shop? How does that work? They've got a picture of it on the, uh, on the, uh, on the Pringle shelf. I'm assuming it was looking for the rodent-made meals. Or something like that. Anyway, so that's it. But, I mean, if you went into the kitchens of most of the places you eat at, you probably wouldn't eat there ever again. Uh, Here we go. Oh, look at that. It's a picture of Lucy Mecklenburg in her underwear. Again. And uh, the secret to a happy Valentine, get your fundies on. And, uh, as I say, it's only good if you look like Lucy Mecklenburg. Seriously, if you're 32 stone, this is not going to look very attractive. Okay, it's no good. It's not for you. Seriously, not for you. You'd be better off in your dressing gown. Okay, it's, you know, I mean, I don't believe. Because why is it that it's always, it's very sexist, isn't it? Why is that not catering for gay couples? What about men? You know, you know, if if you're a gay man in a relationship, you're not looking to your other half to be in a smooth pair of pants or something like that. Instead, we have to to gaze at Lucy Mecklenburg uh, while she stands there in her scanties again. Why is that sexy? 
Why is that sexy? Is there something terribly sexy about it, or is it just immensely sad? Is it very exploitative of women? And the answer is probably yes. And so occasionally somebody has to sort of go out there and, you know, you don't find Mary Portus, do you, standing around in her pants and, you know, he said pants and knickers. Forget pants are knickers, but bra and knickers. You don't see Mary Porters doing that. You wouldn't see Judy Dench doing that. And yet, for some reason, it's seen as a as a, a sort of um, as a career nowadays. <laughs> very odd, isn't it? Very, very odd. Oh, look, a picture of David Beckham. How rare in the papers. Uh, there's a picture of uh, Victoria looking miserable, wearing what looks like John Prescott's suit. I mean, nothing she's got fits. Seriously, she was wearing those big baggy trousers the other week and a couple of the columnists have just picked up on we've, on what we've said before, which is, doesn't she have anything in her size? And the answer is, if you saw her wearing something, you would seriously think she was emaciated. Seriously, there's nothing of her. She looks thin in photographs. In real life, she looks even thinner. Really, really thin. So the sort of clothes, they go, um, could you get something in her size? They go, no, because she thinks if she wears something bigger, makes her look normal, but it doesn't because they just hang on her. It really hangs badly. Uh, Davy Boy's still going out with his little leather jacket, his white T-shirt, the big scarf, and his Hovis hat clamped on his head so he can go out there and go, And he's got little daughter Harper. She's wearing a, a Burberry blanket with her initials on it. Do you think that was free? Do you think that was a free free gift because they've all done so much work for Burberry? But um, she was uh, she was dressing down as it. Nice to see her walking, though, isn't it, really? It's so rare that you actually get to see Harper walking without being carried. But um, a shiver went through Brand Beckham last week. But uh, the good news is that the family, all, all close-knit, uh, are going out to watch Mummy's fashion show. That'll be riveting for the boys, won't it? More clothes that Mummy can't fit into. 84850, uk. Tara Palmer Tomkinson. Um, I'm amazed at how many of her so-called friends crawl out the woodwork and flog these uh, tatty stories about her. She doesn't, uh, you know, it's got one here, self-hatred as she realised pals used her. Yeah, they're still doing it to her now. They're so-called friends selling her down the river by saying, you know, death comes to us all. I've accepted that now. I mean, that has got to be the stupidest thing ever. What, unless you think you're going to live forever. No, you're not going to live forever. Death, unfortunately, will, will come to all of us. Every single one of you listening will die at some point in your life. Uh, I will die at some point. You just don't know when, do you? If we knew when, I'd be making better better plans. Uh, a lot of the papers talking about the um, the Valentine's food, and uh, they do all the uh, different supermarkets do a Valentine's menu. Now, I bought yesterday, and loads of them are available. But I did the Marks and Spencer's one, and I thought it was really good. I mean, seriously, for twenty quid, twenty pounds, I got. It's always better if you buy it yourself. Who wants to share food? <laughs> Go buy your own. I got two camembert and tomato tartlets. I didn't even like camembert. It was delicious. You heat them up. Beautiful. Uh, then for Maine, I got four chicken... Uh, sorry, uh, turkey, like roulades, but quite big roulades with, um, with a, a thing in the middle of them, like a stuffing. Uh, layered vegetables, which was sweet corn and broccoli and carrot and everything else. Uh, then for dessert, two roses. They looked like roses, but they were chocolate mousses, which were delicious. A little box of chocolates and a bottle of Prosecco for 20 quid. I thought that was great. I've eaten all of it except the uh, except the layered vegetables and the bottle of Prosecco. But uh, I thought that was quite good value. And I'm, I'm looking, pardon me, looking at the other ones. They look quite nice as well. So it's, it's quite a good idea. I mean, better value than I thought the... Um, 
the 10 quid ones, because the bottle of Prosecco in Marks and Spencer sells for £10 anyway. So, very good value. Whether or not it's romantic, I don't know. I mean, I didn't feel that romantic when I ate it. I just felt a bit bloated afterwards. Uh, still to come, Yorgi Porter. Uh, nobody knows who she is or what she does, but she's moaning she can't find a date. But there again, if you spend most of your time just posing in your underwear, nobody's going to take you seriously, dear. Eamon Holmes. God, it's been ages since poor Eamon's featured in the papers. He fears his double hip-hop would kill him. Can't imagine why. I've never heard of anybody being killed by double hip-hop. Being overweight would kill you, I would think, but not uh, not a double hip-hop. And um, and the woman who makes cakes that are so realistic. I mean, unbelievably realistic. I mean, one of them, it looks like a doner kebab. But it's not. It's all made out of icing and painted and cut. Really stunning. Very, very good. And um, what else have we got? Oh, yes. Dishonourable Dave, they call him now. Pledging to devote his life to charity. The male finds his clothes are made using child labour. Well, you know, was it ever different? Plus the mum, who still has the last Rolo, given to her in 1984. Must have gone off a little bit by now, don't you think? We've got the news at six o'clock, approaching at a pace. In London, it's just cold this morning. Um, I don't think there's much snow about. Well, I don't think there's much snow. I nipped into town yesterday. Oh, what is that? What a disastrous day. Well, disastrous, but with happy ending, sort of. And I'll tell you about that, the other side of the news. Plus, uh, the corner shop thieves. You thought it was just big supermarkets. No, the corner shops lose £131 million a year through people going, hello, hello, and they're thieving because they don't have the sophisticated security. The chippy that's looking for a Michelin star. Uh, also, the uh, the mum who finds her great-grandmother's wedding dress in the dry cleaner that went bust. And the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, who sparked fury by jumping the queue for an eye operation. You couldn't make it up, could you? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up three minutes past six. Sunday morning in London town, wherever you are in the country, you probably had uh, a sleepless night. Um, uh, we <laughs> It's always noisy people on the streets, isn't it? Noisy people. If you live on sort of a main road uh, or you live anywhere where there's a pub or something like that or a nightclub, my God, they're noisy. People turn out, you know, and they manage to find vocal cords you never even knew existed at like three o'clock in the morning. So when I get up, on a Sunday morning at about two o'clock, you know, you can hear people shouting and... Why do they have to shout? Why do people shout at that time of the morning? But London's actually reasonably quiet this morning. Normally, you know, in the middle of the summer, you can walk through here and it will be, I mean, seriously, like New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is unbelievable in London. I mean, you don't know where all these people come from. They just sort of turn up. Uh, Victoria Beckham... In the I don't think, as I say, I don't think there's ever a day goes by in this country where the Beckhams do not feature... I mean, they must be keeping scrapbooks like there's no tomorrow. Oh, look, a picture of, of David wearing his flat cap, looking miserable. Oh, look, another picture of David, this time without the flat cap, still looking miserable. Here's David Beckham, just looking miserable. Uh, and so it goes on. Uh, the great quick fit fit up. As I say, this story in the Daily Mail today could apply to just about anybody, I should imagine. Uh, and it's the story of, of them taking a car in to get things done and uh, them being told stuff needed doing without it actually needed doing. They found an expert. It's like it's like a television programme where they they take a little valve out of a out of a um, um, a boiler or something like that. And they say, listen, this will be 20 pence to do. Well, you and I know you could never call round a plumber and the bill would be 20 pence. It's not going to happen. So what they do is they put secret cameras in and then they bring in an expert 
uh, a so-called expert who they found an advert for. And they come round and they film them secretly, basically faffing around so they can whack the bill up to as much as they can get. And then they confront them with the hidden cameras going, actually, this is what you did. You didn't do anything, did you really? And they, and some of them, they then uh, produce bills of like £600. Six hundred. I mean, seriously, and this, this would be cheap for some of them. So what they, they've done here, they've done exactly the same. I reckon I could take a car round to probably most garages in this country with hidden cameras and find out exactly what was done to the car when it goes in for a, um, a routine service. Because I have two sorts of services done. I have a little service and then you can have a big service where they check just about everything just to make sure that everything's perfect on the car. And the price can vary quite substantially. But how you know it's been done, you don't. You have to trust people and it does go on trust. And unfortunately, you do get some unscrupulous garages. You'd be naive to think that it would not happen. Marilyn thinks that uh, Mark's do a lovely lamb shank with vegetables. How many? You're obviously not a regular listener, Marilyn. I'm sorry about that because I've already told you I'm allergic to lamb. So I don't eat lamb. OK, so very sweet. I'm sure that you absolutely would would love it. But uh, it doesn't doesn't love me at all. Let's go to the, uh, the mail on Sunday. Oops, sorry. Uh, the main, oh, free, free bottle of Prosecco. Woohoo! See, why is it that every time I get these free offers on the front of the papers, I can never find out where the free bottle of Prosecco is? I always look through the uh, the pages to see if it's there. And I've I've done this thing before where I've been in newspapers. They've said, oh, if you go to a certain supermarket or whatever, you get it free. And you get in there and they go, no. So free, free bottle of Prosecco. Right. It's Valentine's Day and here's your free bottle of Prosecco from Majestic. I don't know if we've got a Majestic. Oh, yes, we have. I think we've got a Majestic near us. This best-selling blah, blah, blah. And they say here, see, this is what I never understand. Have you ever understood this bit? It says here, this particular one, de- uh, delicate bubbles intermixed with refreshing hints of pear and peach. I've never tasted pear and peach in Prosecco. But anyway, all you have to do, it's four steps. And you, jo- there are, you join or sign into your account. You have to sign up to an account thing. Then you enter one unique number, click redeem by Sunday, March the 26th, spending 2,000 mail points. And then you get your free bottle. So, in fact, it's not really as free as you think it is, is it really? You've got to get, you've got to spend 2,000 mail points. Not not so interested now, am I? I just thought, you know, if it says free free bottle of Prosecco, I expect to go in there and go, uh, here's a copy of the Daily Mail, there's my voucher, let's have a free bottle of Prosecco. I want to start filling in my name and address or something like that. That's That's what they're doing. Not from me, I'm afraid. Not from me. Uh, Quick, Harry. It's Megan's Valentine. I'll read this to you, Harry. You ready? Lingerie. Okay, she wants a bit of lingerie. Uh, Love notes. But she's also waiting with bated breath to be dipped into a Parisian-style kiss. Oh, well, there you go. That's good. Do you think he'll be spending any any money anytime soon? He never looks as though he spends any money. When he went out to Soho House, he looked decidedly down-dressing. Down-dressing. She's sort of, because he doesn't dress up, he's Prince Harry. The only time he dresses up is for a military thing or anything to do with his grandmother. Uh, bad news as well, I discovered, for poor old Prince Andrew's little daughter, Eugenie. Apparently, um, it's all gone a bit pear-shaped because they've got damp. They've got damp. And this is uh, Ivy Cottage, which is part of Kensington Palace. Luckily, it's shoved away. When you, it isn't until you look at Kensington Palace from on high, you realise that she's quite far removed from any senior members of the royal family. And uh, damp's been discovered in the basement of her three-bedroom house, and uh, it could cost thousands. Uh, she's going to get married to... Uh, he's, uh, he's a nightclub manager. 
It's not very good, is it, really? Couldn't she find some European royalty? Nightclub manager. Well, there you go. Uh, called Jack Brooksbank. But anyway, it's a standoff. Uh, Eugenie's family, that'll be Prince uh, uh, Andrew, doesn't want to pay for the repairs because they don't own the building. But the powers that be are refusing to come up with the cash as well. We've already spent a fortune, haven't we? I mean, make, make Andrew pay for it. You wanted to get married? You pay for it. Go on, mate. Cough up the money. Goodness sake, he made 15 million selling a house that was a dump and had fallen into disrepair, which the Queen gave him. Didn't even have to pay for it. Didn't even have to pay for it. Uh, also, this has got to be an inside job. A gang has stolen antiquarian books worth £2 million by abseiling into a warehouse. Um, many from the 15th or 16th century. They were stored in a warehouse near Heathrow before being flown to the United States. There's a copy of the 1566 De Revolution Uriabum uh, by the astronomer Copernicus, worth £215,000. I mean, how did these people know? How did these people know that they were in there? It's an inside job. Also, what will they do with them? It'll go into somebody's private collection. You can't, you can't put these things on display. Far too valuable. They, it felt them in Middlesex. They're worth £2 million in Feltham. Sorry, little Julie. I mean, you know, if you've got £2 million worth, wouldn't they be in a really secure place? All they did was abseil down, down the roof. Not, not so difficult. Uh, here we go. Two of her close friends, Tara Palmer Tompkinson's people who've sold stories on her. Lady Dreary Victoria Hervey. That's the one. She only became lady because her mother, who was a secretary, married the, uh, the titled man of the house. And then she became a twit girl, disappeared to America. Unfortunately, we've got her back again, which is a shame, really. Uh, 240 more what? Whales have stranded, beached themselves. 130 of them, uh, I think, um, were dead already. They now say that brings the total number of whales, whales beached on shore in New Zealand to 650. 650. Well, they, they, well, unfortunately, they've only managed to get, um, I think there was 100 survivors from the earlier group of 416 and so they managed to float some, but the rest of them, they just beach themselves, don't they? That's a hell of a pod. That's a hell of a pod, isn't it? So 200 now, so that's 650 in total. Um, they all beached on a three mile stretch of the shore and nobody's sure what what makes them want to swim in and beach themselves. I mean, is it, it like they want to, to kill themselves? I mean, there are bite marks on some of them, so we don't know if they've been attacked 400 pilot whales beached on Thursday. Uh, 240 had been stranded between Paponga and Pakawao late on Saturday, have mostly refloated themselves. Is that dreadful? When you, it's, it's almost like a death wish that they have. So 200 have been refloated, but uh, there's still a lot that, that are dead. Awful, really, isn't it? Why do they do that? There must be something, mustn't it? Something in the stars that they, um, they know about it. Perhaps they were being chased by sharks. I remember seeing something awful. And it was a whale which had um, uh, a little baby whale swimming next to it. And killer whales tried to drown it. So they're literally swimming alongside the mother and baby, who's also a, um, uh, a whale. And all they kept doing is, is they're trying to take the baby away from the mother. And she can't do anything about it. So she's swimming. The baby's trying to keep up. And the killer whales, and it was a David Attenborough programme, keep coming in and ducking it under the water and holding it under. So eventually the thing drowns. And the mother just keeps on swimming. She can't do anything else. It's appalling. It really is. But that's, that's nature. 
There's one lady in the paper today. I can't remember who it is, actually. Somebody quite quite well-known. Uh, and um, the, the, per- the, the thing she le- least likes on the television is David Attenborough. She says, I like animals, but I don't want to see them being attacked. Unfortunately, that is, um, that's the very nature, isn't it, of, of those programmes. They can't interfere. They're not, I don't think they want to interfere. So if you see a wildebeest uh, trying to protect its, uh, its offspring, they, they can't, I mean, they could fire guns and frighten the lions away, but they don't. They're filming it, macabre though it might seem. Excuse me. And so what they end up doing is they end up filming this poor little wildebeest calf Losing its life because that's what lions do when they're hunting. And it's very embarrassing. Uh, the great quick fit fit up. How Britain's biggest garage firm ripped off our reporters posing as customers. And um, they, they, they've actually caught it, you know, uh, on camera and everything else. What, what they've claimed here is charging for unneeded alignment of car wheels. Claiming they changed spark plugs, but they hadn't. Using scare tactics to sell new wheel bearings. Uh, the mechanic who left a leaking oil filter on the Mini. And at the Quick Fit says, we are confident our spark plugs were changed. Our investigations found the original Ford plugs from the car in question, along with an order for and packing from the new plugs. Unless the mail on Sunday can show that the original plugs are still in the car, there's no reason to state they were not changed. Because I wouldn't know. I mean, I would, I would have to call in an expert. I'd have to say, listen, can you check the car and make sure that they've done this and they've done that? But as I say, you could take that to any place in the country. Any place in the country, you know, have you changed all the oil? Yeah, we changed the oil. We did this. Have you put in new antifreeze? Yes. Have you changed roll? I got one time char- um, uh, changed batteries in one of my remote controllers in the car. They just put new new batteries in there and charged me for them. I thought, it was, I, thought it was, I nearly went back and went, new ba- I've never had new batteries. They last forever. New batteries last forever, don't they? Well, that's what I thought they did. Uh, the pictures which will distress you in the paper today... It's uh, they, they believe that what they're showing you is Assad's 21st century Holocaust. And this is where people were hanged in a in a cellar. The bodies have just been left all over the floors. Um, it's it's sick. It's uh, they, they've actually said it's a hospital. Doesn't look like a hospital to me at all. And uh, and, you know, just really, really dreadful, 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 dreadful. And Liz Jones writing in the paper about Fifty Shades. Uh, we had the. Uh, the premiere outside here the other day, which was uh, wonderful. They had, uh, you know, the people in the film and then they brought out a bunch of reality people who turn up to... Uh, what what for? I can't imagine. But uh, Liz Jones reporting on it says, Fifty Shades, I've seen racier episodes of Pingu. It didn't get great results, but it doesn't matter. The first one raised about 500 million, didn't it? So that's pretty good. Pretty good. And if you envied the Obama's break on Branson's Island, then uh, we found lots of other swanky homes for hire. And so this is particularly aimed at anybody who might have won a million pounds on the lottery. And uh, you should have really been staying at places here, which is really nice. And we've got everything for for poor people uh, to people who've got quite a lot of money. And uh, we'll tell you where they are and how much they cost in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I know that uh, the ladies in Eden Walk in Kingston, who've got the uh, the florist uh, there, will be listening into the programme because they're going to be out there today selling their flowers for Valentine's Day, making up their bouquets. Because people love a good bouquet, do they not? Morning, ladies. Uh, so if you saw Obama having a break on uh, Branson's Necker Island, we've got loads of other places. Uh, the perfect hideaway if you're a Lothario or a Wall Street wolf. And this is a Palm Springs mansion. £3,000 a night means that uh, not only would you have slept there, but uh, also 
Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, there's also a rather nice place here, Prince Charles. He owns a little place in Transylvania, which you can rent out at £102 a night, so it's fairly inexpensive. Uh, I want to go to Mustique. That was the favourite with uh, Princess Margaret. £2,500 a night. Mix Mustique pad. This is uh, Mick Jagger. Uh, also Wayne's World. Yes, Wayne Rooney. Ha ha ha. <laughs> with shredded wheat on head. And for £3,500 a night, uh, you, can, uh, you can stay at his £5 million Barbados home. And the weather's nice. I mean, three and a half thousand pounds. It's all right, isn't it? So if you've got loads of money, that's why you see when we ask about that girl who won a million pounds at three and a half thousand quid a night for sort of somebody posh. Admittedly, you don't, you know, you stay there with, with your friends and family and um, you have a nice time. Well, you've only got to stay there for a week, haven't you? And you're looking at seven, three, twenty one. By the time you finish, you're looking at twenty five thousand pounds for the week, which, you know, if you're a millionaire, that's nothing, is it? Nothing at all. Uh, Kirsty. Lovely Kirsty Allsop. She's she's got a place, five hundred and six quid a night. However, if you want to go to um, a nine hundred acre estate overlooking the hills in Florence, Sting has got a nice place there where it's eight thousand pounds a night. Eight thousand. You can, of course, uh, go and have a look around his wine cellar. Don't think you'd be allowed to drink anything, uh, but you can buy some olive oil and stuff like that. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Quite nice. Uh, if there's one thing you have to do, you have to go around flea markets. And uh, in a Spanish flea market, they found the helmet of a World War II ace who shot down 29 Germans. I think it was on sale for something like um, 15 quid, 15, 15, 20 pounds. The bloke who had it, it's an authentic Second World War relic. Um, he said friends had given it to him. He said it wasn't until I got home and had a proper look at it. I discovered a document inside with the initial JRDB on it. After doing some research, it must have belonged to RAF pilot John Brum. And they tracked down his son. And he says it's certainly the right vintage and everything else. How this stuff ends up in a Spanish flea market, I've got no idea. No idea at all. Interestingly enough, and um, they're, they're talking about... There was always the story that went round Hollywood of Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, converted to Judaism because he wasn't getting any work. And so then he became best friends with Sinatra and Dean Martin and all sorts of people. And he toured. He came over here. He played the Royal Albert Hall, I think, with... Um, who was it? Liza Minnelli, I think, as well. But, of course, at the same time, nobody knew that uh, Sammy Davis Jr. was bisexual. And, in fact, he featured... Um, in the story by Linda Lovelace, she talked about Sammy Davis Jr. coming around because he was he was bisexual. I always assumed, actually, that the whole of Hollywood must have been bisexual at some point in its career because people were bed-hopping like there was no tomorrow. No tomorrow. Uh, what else we got? Front page of the Sunday Express. What have we got here? Free bag of Thornton's chocolates. 30p cheaper than the mail on Sunday. That's another voucher. So you can go and get your uh, your chocolates. I haven't actually read this one. I've given up with those sort of things. Trump aid. The president plans spectacular UK rally to help the uh, the war veterans. Uh, the damp Bill Rao pours cold water on Eugenie's dream. As I say, they've got loads of money. Loads of money. Tara Palmer Tomkinson, her last wish, we are told, is she's alleged to have said, I just want to make my family proud. Which gives you a rough idea where she was coming from. I think she was sold down the line by most of her so-called friends. And uh, they say she spent 35000 on a stint in rehab in Arizona, but then continued to struggle with her addiction. 
her close friend, I won't name who it is, it's, you know, these people crawl out of the woodwork, don't they, said she'd become dangerously underweight. I don't think she'd ever been overweight, had she? And, um, and police hunting a cyclist, because you heard Matt talking about cyclists earlier on. And uh, uh, this is, you know, people... Because if you're a cyclist, you take your life in your hands. Now, I've never been the biggest fan of cyclists, especially those who cycle on the pavement, those who jump red lights and things like that. But, you know, the rest of the time, it's, a, it's blooming dangerous out there. But we have seen in the morning, producer and I have been out, uh, you know, during the week time, and you'll see cyclists cycling down the road at the back of this building... Uh, with no lights on the bikes, no lights on the front, no lights on the back, wearing dark clothing, asking for trouble. Absolutely asking for trouble. Steve, uh, I had my brakes changed at a certain garage. They assured me they needed doing. I'd actually uh, only gone in for a flat tyre. I then took the car to a different garage and they said it was virtually impossible that the work needed doing as the car was only 18 months old and had very low mileage. I trusted the garage and they got 600 quid out of me. Oh, I would, I would think it's quite easy to get money out of people. Very easy if you've got a garage. Very easy because you just tell people. Because we don't know. I don't know. I'm not experienced in things like that. If if somebody says it needs doing, I have to trust them. And it does come on a on a sort of a trust basis. Or, you know, you've sort of found some. But the trouble is when you find little independent garages to look after the car, they've got so much work on, it's 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 very difficult. Uh do you watch the voice? says Julie. No. No, I've, I've got some sort of a life. There are certain programmes I, I can't watch on television because I don't really have the time. But um, apparently Jennifer Hudson has the same clothes on every week, even if it's recorded on the same day. They usually change clothes. But I, 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 does it make any difference? It's only a television programme. It's not like they're going out, is it? Not, excuse me. It's not like they're doing anything particularly strenuous, like running a marathon or something and then coming back in all sweaty. Uh, so I would expect people on television programmes to keep them on. Most people, I mean, I, I've known newsreaders to sit there looking as though they're very smart, but underneath the desk, they've either got a pair of shorts on or a pair of jeans. Because nobody sees their legs. Nobody sees them at all. Uh, I've noticed that um, Trump's Blenheim banquet could go ahead. The 12th Duke of Marlborough, he comes with a little bit of a, a bit of a history, says that he, he would welcome and host Donald Trump there. He'd be very impressed. Poor old Donald Trump would be impressed by any of these sort of things, wouldn't he? You know, the fact that he, he's going to meet the Queen and the fact that he'll get a photograph taken with the Queen, that, that, that goes miles in America. I mean, miles and miles. They're so impressed with the royal family. They really are. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, we can't, you can't get better than a Michelin star. This is a fish and chip shop. Uh, I think it's called Kingfisher Fish and Chips. And inspectors have earmarked them for a series of visits... If they pass their strict code of uh, outstanding quality, it'll be the first of its kind to win any star. Um, and they do whole lobster, smoked herring, Cornish sardine fish cakes. And all of the, uh, the 12 species that they serve are certified by the Marine Stewardship Council. It's one of only two UK fish and chip businesses to hold a prize three-star rating for from the Sustainable Restaurant Association. doesn't tell you how much it costs, though, does it? That's what I want to know. They say that fish and chips is going up in price. You know that? You heard that? The reason is that uh, apparently stocks are depleted a little bit. So consequently, they have to have to charge you more. Have to charge you more. Great app for your phone. Scores on the doors. which gives you all the official hygiene scores of all the places that serve food in your area. I've seen it, actually. A friend of mine's got it. I find it far too depressing to look at. Far too depressing. We have a pub in, in Twickenham. The landlord has just been removed from the pub. Uh, why? Misdemeanours. 
misdemeanours. Word reaches my ear. Cocaine on the bar after hours. I mean, please. What sort of people are running pubs nowadays? So, uh, out, out, out. Not people like that at all. Nick Ferrari's doing his uh, column today. He's uh, not a fan of the Burke. Uh, sorry, um, yes, Mr Burko. Uh, the egotist. He's got to go now, he says. And the so-called mother who helped fake the abduction of Shannon Matthews in an attempt to cash in from the ensuing publicity is said to be distraught. After the first part of a TV drama aired, it showed her up as the callous, scheming fantasist the courts were satisfied she was when the case came to trial. Vile Karen Matthews is reported to have said she's too scared to go out shopping and dismayed the story's been revisited. I don't know about you, writes Nick Ferrari, but if she'd not conspired to kidnap and imprison her own daughter for money, I might have had a shred more sympathy. As it is, tough. Yes, I think, and so say the rest of the country. Camilla Tomonet talking about poor old Victoria Beckham. And uh, and here she is, along with, you know... I mean, she, she does think, actually, she deserves a damehood simply for service to oversized clothing. Does anything she own actually fits? No. It's all hopelessly outsized. Everything, from her jumpers, which hang on her like small tents, to the trousers, which are quite clearly made for somebody else. Camilla Tomonet does talk as well about Tamara Eccleston. And uh, she says, I didn't breastfeed any of my children beyond three months, uh, beyond three days for the third poor lamb. Whatever makes mothers happy generally makes baby happy. Uh, that's a, But why you would issue a photograph of it? Slightly disturbing. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 27 minutes to uh, seven. Who was the transgender icon in Coronation Street? But uh, she's got a sight set on the... TARDIS. Uh, this was Hayley Cropper. Do you remember? I can never pronounce this poor woman's surname. I know it's Julie for the first bit. And then it's Hesmond Hull. I think it's Hesmond Hull or something like that. Anyway, she's, uh, she's lovely. She's doing the rounds again because she's about to star in Broadchurch. Uh, uh, the reason I know that is because she's just been offered to me as a guest. Uh, Ronan Keating, front page of the Love issue of Fabulous magazine. But it's interesting because when you see Roman Keating... Uh, Roman Keating, I'm so sorry, I get confused with Roman Kemp. Although Roman Kemp is much younger than Ronan Keating. And, um, and, and Ronan uh, just shaves his body, his entire body. So I remember years ago, he was the hairiest little person out. Now, he must go for regular waxings, I should imagine. It's the latest thing, isn't it, really? And then they're trying to sell you a new magazine, which I think comes with the, uh, the mail. Uh, they've got um, Scarlett Moffat. She says, um, I'm, people like me exactly as I am. I know, except your boyfriend who decided he didn't want to go out with her, presumably because she's changed beyond a shadow of a doubt. Different size, different everything at all. Is she going to be the stellar person? Not necessarily. You know, being on a TV reality show is completely different from presenting. Completely different. You know, people go out there and present, and there is an art to presenting. Whichever way you look at it, there is an art to doing it. Some people can do it, some people can't. And it's no good just they go, oh, so-and-so is really bubbly. Because sometimes really bubbly doesn't kind of work on television. Does it? It's uh, it's one of those irritating. You don't want somebody too bubbly, otherwise they turn out to be a little bit like hi you, and uh, she becomes immensely irritating. Uh, so uh, George's family banned Faddy from funeral in front of the Sun on Sunday. Don't believe a word of it, especially when you realise where it's uh, actually come from. This is uh, so-called uh, cousin Andros Georgiou. How would he know that? How would he know that? Answer is, I don't think he knows anything. George didn't speak to him for donkey's years. He also claims there was some party coming up Christmas Day. For 30 people or 20 people, where that's come from, I've got no idea. Mind you, you can say anything, can't you, really? It's a way of sort of getting yourself a little bit more publicity. And uh, why would George's family ban Faddy from the funeral? As I say, you never know, he could be in the will. He could be in the will. 
because nobody knows what the will is. Contrary to what, you know, the cousin seems to think that it'll all go to his sister, which, of course, I think is a load of old codswallop. Uh, and also, George was madly in love with Faddy. And they'd been together for four years, whereas he didn't like his cousin very much at all. Uh, they also say he'll be buried in his tour suit. They don't know any of this at all. They know nothing. I don't think George made any plans for his funeral, put it that way. Uh, they also haven't uh, haven't discovered exactly what it was that killed him yet. And so they're not going to be releasing the body just yet. The TV footy wives in a cash row. This is people from this ghastly programme, which is The Real Housewives of Cheshire. Um, it's just ghastly. I mean, really awful. They're, they're, they're such low rent, low rent people compared to the ones who are in America, where we love the housewives of Beverly Hills. We like that. We like Lisa Vanderpump and her rather campy old husband who walks around holding a dog under his arm, which is... <laughs> but they've got so many restaurants. They've got 23 restaurants. So she lives in the biggest house out of everybody and she knows how to play the game. Unfortunately, the ones over here in Cheshire... They're sort of, they're a little bit naff, I'm afraid. There's nothing very exciting about Cheshire. I feel a bit sorry for them, really. They're just over made up. And now there's two of them arguing over money, which one was lent, and then the other one said, no, I'm owed money. And so they're, they're arguing because they're, they're, they're footballers' wags. And if you're a footballer wag, that's, you know, it could be wife and girlfriend, or probably wife or girlfriend, I should imagine. And so there's fury on the home advice, there's been solicitors, there's been all this kind of stuff, and you think, they're really quite awful people, aren't they? Quite awful people. It must be like, sort of, you know, being related anywhere to John Burko, who Tony Parsons describes as a hypocrite on Trump, because uh, Mr Burko has welcomed all sorts of people into the uh, the House of Commons, you know, and really, he's not there to offer an opinion, he's there just to mediate, which is easier... Uh, or, the, or the place not to go to. If you're romantic, where is the least romantic place in this country? I only discovered this a short while ago. I was a bit surprised because I thought anywhere could be, be romantic. Anywhere that's got a fish and chip shop or a pie shop. Not Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe's quite classy, as you know. It's the millionaire's playground. Uh, no, South End. South End. If you're feeling remotely romantic, apparently the last place you want to be seen at is South End. It's neither romantic nor interesting nor, nor anything. Which is funny, actually, because I've had some very good liaisons in uh, in South End. Well, I mean, you know, one, you know, one over the years, I think it's quite enough for me. Uh, also, what were they doing the other day? They were complaining about homophobia in, is it sport and football grounds and things like that? Does that still go on? Is that a wee bit dated? I mean, generally, the people who are shouting the homophobia are, in fact, homosexual themselves. You know, otherwise, why would you be shouting it? Seems right. Perhaps they're just trying to draw attention to themselves. Uh, Brand Beckham. Oh, there's another picture of David Beckham going out in his sort of skinny jeans uh, with... Oh, it's Harper again. Oh, Harper with a hat, then Harper without a hat. And Dave's oversized scarf. They're very odd, aren't they, the Beckhams? Whichever way you look at it, they are slightly peculiar. They're hardly ever seen together. She hasn't got any clothes that fit. He uh, he sort of seems to be off with the pixies and seems to be just looking after the children. And then every time the kids see a picture of Mummy, she's got dark glasses on. I wouldn't mind, but it's never sunny. Never sunny at all. Uh, also, the so-called um, fans and pals revealing Tara Palmer Tompkinson's uh, cocaine hell at her house. But the saddest story, the saddest story, I don't find it, actually. It was, oh, it was a very, very sad story. A, a sad story for, for numerous reasons. I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment once I've found it. Because when I first saw it, I wasn't aware of what I was looking at. And then once I'd read the story... I then knew exactly what I was looking at. They're still doing the NHS stories, by the way. They're still doing the stories about the fact that we're still pumping money into it. We don't seem to be getting any further at all. Um, 
And then there was one story where they're saying that uh, one NHS hospital paid, I think, £580, £680, for a roller blind, which could have really cost 23 quid, but they just seemed to sort of add up the uh, the cost of it. And it just, it, you just, I don't know, child of seven, I think, could run the... Uh, could run the uh, the NHS a lot better than the people who are running it at the moment. Mind you, not helped by the overseas tourists coming in, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because they are the tip of the iceberg. It, it doesn't, you know, they're, they're, they're never going to be draining that much money off it. It will be a bit of money, but certainly nothing that we've uh, heard of before. But this this sad story that I found... Oh, here it is. This is terrible. This is uh, the family and friends who are rallying to support three tragic children who were set to lose both their parents to cancer within weeks of each other. Julie Bennett is dying in a hospice bed. She's 50. Her husband, Mike, passed away a week ago after battling a brain tumour for years. Her consolation is knowing that their children, Oliver, 13, Hannah, 18 and Luke, 21, will be cared for. Uh, Sue Wright, who's a friend, says, I told her the community would come together to help look after the kids. And she smiled. Um... It's really sad because they they have a picture of Julie and Mike. Uh, They've pushed their beds together and uh, the children have released this uh, this photograph of her last moments with Mike. She clutches his hand just before he died uh, on February the 6th. She's dying as well, but she she clutched his hand and um, they've started a Just Giving page, which hit 15 grand. Uh, Luke says, my brother, sister and I are overwhelmed by the enormous support and generosity we've received. It gives my mum a great deal of comfort. So she, she's dying as well. I mean, how how bad is that? And so literally, you know, moments after this picture was taken, Mike died. And uh, and so she's she's just waiting herself now. It's the saddest picture you'll ever see. It's really, really sad, you know. And um, she says, I know it's been her priority uh, that we're being looked after by the community and so we will try and fulfill our ambitions and we'll try and you know cope the best we can but I mean you know for for kids to face losing you know one parent is bad enough to face losing both parents and already their father has died and uh, and now they're just waiting on their their mother I mean it's 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 absolutely heartbreaking isn't it it really is there's so many awful things that go on in the world and this is the uh, this is the worst picture you can ever see you feel you feel so so sorry for them because they have to grow up and they have to be very strong very very quickly and it's never an easy thing never an easy thing i noticed that one of the uh columnists today is talking uh about how you know sex abuse cases you should always go to the police you should always go to somebody in authority and i said that the other day and somebody wrote to me and said you don't understand the implications of this case i thought no if you if you've been abused at an early age you go to the police especially if you're talking about it on a television program you should go to the police and name the person who actually perpetrated the crime that, that's what it is and then it gets investigated and if it's if it's deemed serious enough then the police take it further it's as simple as that uh, on the uh, the daily star today uh, Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp has ordered his struggling players to scoff tomatoes twice a day. I don't know why I could eat tomatoes all the time. I mean, I, I really quite like tomatoes. Not wild about cooked tomatoes, but strangely enough, on this camembert thing I had the other day, they were actually quite delicious. And here she is, Yorgi Porter. The only work that Yorgi Porter seems to get nowadays is to sort of pose naked, uh, kneeling in this time, the former Hollyoaks babe. 
says uh, she's, she's going to be single. Well, not at all surprised, actually. I mean, why would anybody want to go out with somebody who disports themselves in the newspapers like this? She says, uh, when men talk to me, they realise uh, I'm a goofball. I do... I don't know what that means. What's a goofball? Is that an idiot? That's an idiot. Oh, right. Silly Billy. Oh, right. She says, nobody ever asks me on a date. When men talk to me, they realise I'm a goofball. I, do, I mean, why would you say that? You're killing it stone dead for yourself, aren't you, really? I do chat to men, but I would never assume they'd want to date me. Well, don't worry, dear. Oh, she's so keen to find a man. She's signed up for the new series of Celebs Go Dating. No, you've done that for a fee, love. That's got nothing to do with going out with anybody. Don't, don't be silly, because they've got some gay children's presenter on there. So God knows what he's going to be looking for, but it won't be you. And so, you know, Celebs Go Dating. I mean, what an admittance. I'm terribly sorry, I can't find anybody to go out with me, so I'm happy to go on a programme for a fee so I can pretend to be interested in somebody. I'm sure this is an old one. I'm sure she's been on that kind of programme before. And then they go, oh, you're Yorgi Porter. And then she goes, yeah, I'm a bit goofball, a bit of a goofball. You think, well, you're not much used to anybody, are you, really? Who wants a goofball? Ridiculous. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Sunday. I just bumped into Andrew Castle. He went to me, he, he looked at me. I was, I was, I'd said something to him about something I'd just seen. And, and he looked at me and he went... Got your value for money on that haircut, didn't you? <laughs> I was quite hurt. Wish I'd, wish I'd worn my bobble hat out there or something like that. I mean, it's, you know, you have to when you don't have a lot of hair. Also, I mean, I was tempted to say to him, it's a sign of uh, virility. And uh, with Valentine's Day around the corner, I'm going to be very popular and in demand. But uh, he's, he said a fiver. I said, no, nothing. Didn't pay for it at all. Cost me, cost me two chickens and a crate of water. OK, work that one out for yourself. Isn't it funny? Kylie Minogue. One minute she's going out with this bloke who looks like Bam Bam out of the Flintstones. The next minute they finish because it turns out that he's got other interests going on. I always thought it was a bit suspect, but that was just my personal opinion. Anyway, in the next minute, you know, I mean, you have to give it to her. Far from sort of sitting back and going, ooh, I'm still on the shelf at the age of 90 or whatever she is now. And um, she might be less than that. I'm just I'm t- taking a rough guess, you know, because I don't really know. And, uh, and then she pops up in every magazine. I'm starting a new chapter. Everything's a new chapter for Kylie, isn't it? It must be very difficult. If you're, if you're Kylie Minogue trying to find somebody who'll go out with you because you're, you know, you as opposed to you're Kylie Minogue. And as I've told you a million times before, my friend Sue Pollard said, you know, after she got turned over by a boyfriend years and years ago, never go out with anybody unless they've got as much to lose as you have. Because if you go out with somebody, if you're if you're relatively famous, you know, relatively famous, you know, somebody on the television in a soap opera or in a group or something like that, you go out with uh, with people, you're introducing them to uh, to people in your life who might not want to have somebody from outside of the business. So, in fact, that's why when Sue Pollard said only go out with somebody who's got as much to lose as you have, that was possibly the best advice. Because, you know, if you start going out with somebody, when it all finishes, as indeed they do... You know, then they're going to start selling stories. We've got no end of stories in the papers today of revenge porn and stuff like that. And people move, oh, I finished going out with him. And then he started putting pictures of me naked up online. And my argument was always, well, don't have naked pictures taken in the first place. You know, if, if, if I was going out with somebody, God help me, please never again. You know, and all of a sudden they went, how about some saucy shots? Ha! Huh? No chance. 
No chance. I told you, even on the computer, I've covered the camera up on the computer. I'm never sure about hacking. I mean, I know it's not physically possible, but you never know, do you? So I'm always being very wary because every time I, I turn on the television, there's another story about somebody being hacked or you turn on the Internet. And here's another picture of a celebrity disporting themselves. So in a theory, in, 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 a, sort of, in a strange kind of way, I'm a bit sympathetic to Kylie Minogue. I'm thinking that, you know, she's not going to be able to find anybody. I mean, you know, the last one that was that was really serious was Michael Hutchins, wasn't it? And he sort of ended up on the back of a, a door in a hotel room. I mean, that went that went pear shaped. And I think he was really quite quite a good love of her life. Although secretly, I thought it was going to be Jason Donovan, but I suddenly realised that was just soap talk that was never going to be happening anytime soon. Uh, the um, the Sunday Times were offering two Legoland tickets. Which is good, actually, because it was only the other week they managed to find a, a small cabin within the uh, within the grounds of Legoland that was growing cannabis. Two people have been arrested. I mean, it took a whole new meaning, didn't it? And somebody wrote to me saying they like Windsor Safari Park. Well, that was closed down years ago. It had to be. Cruelty to animals. That was the whole idea, wasn't it? The killer whale left in a, th- a thing the size of a bath. Oh, no, disgraceful place. Absolutely. Legoland, far more entertaining. People love Lego. People love Lego. We've got a big Lego store over the, over the road from us here. I've never actually been in it. because I think it looks some, somewhat odd, a man of my age going to a Lego store. But I quite enjoy playing with it. But it's, it's, it's really for children. You know, children get excited about that. Uh, the uh, Sunday, that was the Sunday Times. Sunday Telegraph, they've got the 50 best pubs for Sunday lunch. I don't think you find Jamie Oliver's parents one features in there at the moment. Uh, the Synod gay marriage clash. They're always worrying about this, aren't they? They're always worrying about, uh, you know, whether or not gays should be allowed in the church. And yet if you go to certain churches, it's a veritable fairyland out there. I mean, you know, the the last pope, Pope but one, wasn't it, who actually got rid of about 250 uh, priests because of um, because of sex allegations, which is absolutely dreadful. Uh, the Daily Star Sunday, uh, evil Karen Matthews attacked at chip shop. I wasn't even aware she was identifiable, but she obviously is. Uh, the people, Corrie's Chris, I hope story helps abuse victims. They always do that. They see themselves, don't they, as um, as sort of the, the, the moral bastions. Uh, Mum right to show coma pictures. This is in the paper today. I've got to find out what it is, actually, because it was it was quite a quite a serious picture. And I think I must have bypassed it. Um, and it's a, a mother who has... Oh, that's why, actually. Um, She took ecstasy, this girl, and uh, she's been shamed by her mother. She's better now, but uh, after these images went viral of her looking like she was on her deathbed, and I do know parents who have printed pictures of their children on their deathbeds, you know, to put people off. Unfortunately, it doesn't put people off at all. People still continue to take drugs. Uh, The Aloha Legends will be out in force for Gordon Kay's funeral on Friday. Vicky Michelle has revealed that the cast want to give him a good send-off. Good, good, I'm delighted. Um, because he popped into LBC on numerous occasions. Numerous occasions. He used to live down at Brentford Dock. And um, he he went into an old people's home. He he got dementia for the last two years of his life. He didn't really want people to see him. Uh, and I had an auntie like that when she started deteriorating. She didn't want people to see her uh, as she'd become. She wanted people to remember her. As she was, and that's why it was so interesting. And I did something the other day. I've never, we went out for lunch on Friday, me and uh, Paul, the newsreader, 
And we go to a garden centre and we just have, you know, because garden centres now do some, some really quite good food. I had ham, egg and chips and he had, uh, I think, a chicken pie. Anyway, sitting behind us at another table, I couldn't tell you, I kept staring at this woman. She was the spitting image of my Auntie Betty. Now, my Auntie Betty is, is advanced in years now. But this woman, I've, I'm going to send the picture to my brother to go, who do you think this is? And he's going to come back with, that looks like Betty. This one is same face, same hairstyle, same everything. In fact, it was almost like a reincarnation. Almost. I mean, I, I kept looking at her thinking, and I'm trying to get a picture taken without looking as though I'm taking a picture of this poor woman sitting at the next table with a group of her friends. But she was the spitting image. You know, sometimes you see that. I saw myself once on the underground. I was at Hammersmith and, and I looked over the platform and there was me. It was me. It was it was the spitting image of me. And I'm looking at me because I th- I'm firmly of the opinion that everybody's got a double out there somewhere. Everybody's got one. You look at somebody you think that looks exactly. And I've done that before. You said, oh, hello. And they go, oh, it's not that person. I knew this wasn't my Auntie Betty, but I tell you, I swear to God, you look like her. And I saw me at Hammersmith. And as I'm looking at me, the train came in. And I went, oh, I've gone. And, and I, I sort of, I was kind of stalking, walking up and down the platform, trying to find more of me, which was very interesting. Uh, anyway, uh, Sunday Mirror this morning, the sick delusion of the Shannon kidnapper, Faddy, my pain over George Michael's 999 tape. How that got released, I've got no idea. No idea indeed. No idea. But uh, they, they've released the, the text of the call that Faddy had with the 999 operator, where they were saying, um, how is he? He said, he's stiff, he's blue, he's, he's, he's dead. And uh, that was after he, he'd gone into the house and he'd called and they'd done this long conversation. It took them ages. to, And he was sort of saying, no, he's he's blue. He's dead. They need to get somebody round there quickly. And anyway, they, they got somebody round there. And uh, but somebody's released the, the transcript. Why? I've got no, I was understood that they were they were meant to be, um, you know, something that was uh, pertinent to that person, not allowed to be released at all. So they've launched an investigation. Because somebody somewhere is going to lose their job over that. Uh, the Sun on Sunday, George's family banned Faddy from funeral. I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe a word of it. He, he brought a lot of happiness into George's life. He was with him for four years. Why would they ban him from the funeral? I do know that this happens in a lot of gay relationships. But uh, it wasn't like George was closet or anything like that. I should imagine they'll all be there. And I should imagine his ex-boyfriend, Kenny, would want Faddy to be there as well. And there's probably quite a few other people who want to be there. The Sunday Express... Um, they got a picture of the Tories' U-turn on the social care, which would force the elderly to sell their homes. Trump aid, the president planned spectacular UK rally to help war veterans. And the mail on Sunday, free bottle of uh, Prosecco, but you've got to fill in forms and, you know, do this and sell your grandmother down the river and, you know, hang glide from Everest and all the usual kind of things. So I discovered it was easier not, not to bother with that one. Tara's final hours by the last man to see her alive. I don't think the family want to read this. I certainly don't want to read it. And give Diane Abbott a hug. I'm not blind. This is the Brexit minister's sexist text. This is David Davis has apologised. Oh, honestly, honestly, she's quite tough, old Diane Abbott, isn't she? But then it came, try and snog her, and she hates it. I thought she'd like it. I thought she'd go, oh, I thought people would go for something like that. Why not? I mean, for goodness sake, I mean, she can't get that many offers, can she? Get one from David Davis, he wanted to kiss her, to congratulate her, and then she let, let's fly with a torrent of four-letter words. It's not the kind of thing, I mean, round here, people would be grateful for a bit of a snog. You know, quite fancy. I mean, very rarely do you get a snog off around here. You know, you try and snog somebody around here and immediately start mentioning those, those fatal two letters which crop up everywhere. HR, HR. 
You know, I've got them on speed dial on my phone. So much easier. Anyway, listen, that's it for this morning. Thank you so much for your uh, for your company. I wish you a pleasant day. I hope you don't get snow. I hope it uh, warms up a little bit, but I think unlikely unless it's in Powys next week, where it could hit 18, was it 18 degrees or something? Whatever it is, it's, it's certainly not, not bad at all. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Oh, I'm back this evening at nine o'clock for In Conversation. Um, Gojo Moyes is going to be here and Raymond Blanc as well so do not miss it it's a really nice in conversation and that's at nine o'clock this evening and you can podcast as well i'm back tomorrow morning usual time 4 a.m provided there's no snow drifts and we don't get caught out otherwise it's huskies and me at dawn you can listen to lbc whenever you want wherever you are download the free lbc app for your mobile or tablet never miss a moment leading britain's conversation at 10 it's katie hopkins but right now with breakfast it's andrew castle If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.